Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and everything in between. I am Gary Roth, your host of the Blue Collar Consulting Group podcast. I thought it would be a great idea for us to tackle a very challenging subject that has come up a lot in my personal and professional life in the last several months. What am I talking about? I am talking about feelings of inadequacy, the feeling that I'm not good enough, I'm not this enough, I'm just not enough. The feeling of inadequacy is incredibly powerful. It affects so many people, husbands, wives, sports stars, movie stars, the average Joe down the street, military members like myself. It affects us all. I cannot speak for women, but I do know that many men, even what the world would consider very successful men, do struggle with feelings of inadequacy that just kind of permeates what they do, who they are, what they could become, their mental state, their well-being. Like it could make you depressed, give you anxiety. It could make you paralyzed. Uh, it is just, uh, it is a very, very powerful feeling. Uh, if you are experiencing this and it's dramatic, please don't be afraid to seek therapy and getting some professional help. Although I think we can help you get going uh, this in, during this episode. So I, I was doing some research and I actually stumbled upon this website called Quick and Dirty Tips. And in their mental health section, they actually have seven simple steps to help you stop feeling inadequate. So what I'm going to do is use that for a few pieces of my discussion. And then I'm going to hopefully elaborate based on my own experiences and some of the things that I have witnessed in my world. And it was written by a doctorate level psychologist named Jade Wu. Um, I don't know much about this person, but I will say the tips here are very solid based on my experience and my own struggles. So again, when you're hearing those whispers that you're not good enough, there are some things you need to do to approach that. Now, we're never going to be perfect, all right? So don't don't think that you're ever going to get those out of your head because sometimes you aren't being good enough. Sometimes you aren't doing the most that you can do. But what we want to focus on is when those things are lying to you or when you hear them too much. You may have been sitting in a classroom or at a work meeting and just felt small, like maybe you didn't belong, like everyone that was around you seemed smarter, they seemed better, they seemed as if they were making better comments than you. Have you ever maybe even cringed at your own reflection in the mirror, I have, I would go through these periods where I didn't even want to have a mirror in the house. Uh, There's, you know, have you ever like looked at a magazine? You know, I know uh, women really struggle with uh, body issues, body shaming issues. I, 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 at least that's what I'm told. I'm a man. I don't know for sure. You know, have you ever doubted your own sanity when you thought you were awesome, but maybe that was crushed when somebody that you cared about maybe told you that you weren't. You know, each of us has someone in our life who makes us feel as invalid as an expired password. Like we all have those people. And they may be very important people in our lives. It may be a parent, a romantic partner, 
a friend or a relative or even a total stranger. You know, often that someone is actually something like an academic institution or a cultural stereotype. And sadly, we buy into that. If you look across national media, you're going to find some very powerful stereotypes. And the reason I know that is because I see my friends and colleagues and associates on social media and in real life, IRL, that are spouting headlines as quickly as you can imagine. As you know, recently there was a very huge criminal case, or excuse me, a huge Supreme Court case, Roe versus Wade. And in that case, the Supreme Court did not make abortions illegal. They decided to go back in what I would consider to be a very important decision to let the states decide. Again, it's it's not making them illegal. It's letting the states decide. And many states will still allow abortion. So the reason why I know that we are so programmed by society, why we're buying into these stereotypes and national media headlines is because literally people are saying the same thing. For example, Nancy Pelosi said in a press conference right after that, oh, good morning. I wish I could say it's a good morning, but it's not. And then you just see it just proliferated through social media. People are getting angry at nothing. And when you push back, they will find any reason that they can to dissuade you from your argument. Like, for example, I was speaking to a cousin of mine. I can't believe it, a cousin of mine. And we had a disagreement on the issue, and I was trying to explain to her this is just simply a matter of moving the decision to the states, as it should be, for medical stuff. And she said, I wouldn't know anything about it because I'm not a woman. And I said, well, I don't know that men or women are any better at the law than anybody else. Somebody else, uh, unfortunately, a, a woman of color, said "I, you know, she refuses to let white men make her decisions for her. Well, when Clarence Thomas was one of the leads of the of the decision. So, you know, it's just, it's so easy for us to buy into the headlines. It's so easy to buy into the whispers. And so if you do that, you know, it's okay. And I'm sure that I do it too. And I'm sure there's some unconscious bias going on in each of us. And I want you to know, listen, it's okay. It happens to the best of us. It happens to me. But I also would really love to encourage you to fight back against that, question your beliefs, question the positions that you hold. I have done that many times, sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse. And then I still hold on to some blind things that I can't quite defend, but I still feel very strongly about it. And that's okay too. But what I will never do is insult someone or result to personal insults or anything like that. I know my limits. I know how to say wrong. I know how to say I'm sorry. And I think, you know, also we need to take that mindset to ourselves. We need to say sorry to ourselves. We need to forgive ourselves. We need to be respectful to ourselves. I've done those exercises where you write down the negative self-talk that you're having. And my goodness, I would never say that to a human being. Or if I did, I would be in for a fight because they would not accept the level of disrespect that I show myself. The author of the article uh, that we're referencing read the autobiography of Michelle Obama, where Michelle Obama said that in her youth, someone told her, a high school guidance counselor, I believe, said that she was not Princeton material. Okay, 
It seems to me that everybody has one of those feel sorry for me moments. I have plenty of my own where they say somebody said this and somebody said that, that they weren't good enough and all that other stuff. And then it caused her to question her own adequacy. I wonder if these people ever go back and say thank you for those challenging comments because we don't know what that guidance counselor sees. We don't know what we're presenting to them. And if they disagree, awesome. How many people that are quote unquote successful in today's society have one of those challenging stories? It seems to me everyone does. And so you can't expect career counselors, guidance counselors to know every single facet of every single possibility. They make assessments and they're wrong. You make assessments and you are wrong. So it's important to take that with a grain of salt. And sometimes those challenging comments can be powerful motivation. When you set out to prove somebody wrong, I encourage you to go ahead and do that. Uh, you know, set out with that chip on your shoulder. Have a little bit of a grudge. If that's the fuel that drives you, I totally am down with it. Okay, so don't don't feel sorry for yourself. Don't wallow in your own self-pity. Turn that stuff around. Make it some good energy. Now, I will say that imposter syndrome is real. I am actually struggling with imposter syndrome right now now. It has something that is keeping me small. It took a tremendous amount of effort to record this podcast episode, or it's taking a tremendous amount of effort. I see a therapist once a week to discuss this and some other things. And so do not be afraid to get the help that you need and start naming these things that are troubling you or preventing you from doing what you need to do. Now, imposter syndrome is real. Every one of us can relate to this type of self-doubt on some level. And it's not just about academic ability. Snuggly couples pop out from every corner whenever we feel lonely. Ridiculously attractive people seem to materialize next to us on the beach when we're feeling a little bit bloated. We rejoice at passing the exam, but then feel deflated as that guy next to us shows off that 100%. We try not to make eye contact with passersby as we park our Toyota Corolla between a Porsche and a Land Rover, right? Like we've all been there. We all don't feel, you know, good enough. So what do you do when life leaves you feeling like you're just not good enough? Well, now we're going to get into the seven ways, seven tips here from this article from Dr. Wu. So grab a piece of paper, pause this episode if you need to. Let's dig into it. All right. And go. Number one, trust that everyone has their stuff. Look, um, you know, I'll bet you my last box of Thin Mint cookies, and I love those things, that the kid next to you showing off their A grade feels deeply inadequate themselves. Same thing for your Instagram friends or those people that just look perfect in every post and they just can't seem to stop bragging about all the likes that they get true inadequacy, remember this, true inadequacy, oh my gosh, I'm messing this up, true adequacy doesn't feel the need to advertise. Let me say that again. When you look around all the people bragging about their stuff, true adequacy does not feel the need to advertise. Now, we can't know if these people in our lives are searching for affirmation, trying to build themselves up by comparing down to others, or simply if they're just having a habit of show-offs, we can, but we can know 
okay? We can know that their lives are not perfect. How do I know for sure? Well, guess what? They're human just like me. They're human just like you. Insecurity is part of the human condition. In fact, like I said at the beginning, it's kind of necessary. A healthy dose of self-doubt helps us monitor ourselves and our behavior. It will spark introspection. It motivates us to grow and change. We doubt ourselves so we can check ourselves, which allows us to get along better with our fellow humans and kind of keeps the human race going. Not only is insecurity part of the human condition, but a total lack of insecurity is actually a sign that something's going super wrong. And that's a message for any psychopath or narcissist that's listening to this. Too much self-doubt, bad. No self-doubt, bad. A healthy, lower-end sense of self-doubt is right in the sweet spot. That's where you want to be. A little bit of doubt is good. Too much is bad. None is extra bad. Number two, add the word yet. You're going to love this. Dr. Carol Dweck of Stanford University, she's known for her uh, research on mindset. Uh, She delivered a TEDx talk in which she describes a high school in Chicago that gives uh, students who don't manage to pass a class the uh, the grade not yet, okay? Now, hear me out. I know we kind of have differing views on school grading and stuff like that. Now, what does this do? Most importantly, it shifts the focus from a fixed mindset, the idea that your basic qualities are static and unchangeable, to that of a growth mindset, which proposes that your talents can be developed. This shift uh, from outcome to process implies eventual success and in the meantime, focuses on effort, strategy, resilience, and perseverance. Let me say that again. This shift from the outcome to the process implies eventual success and while you're doing that, in the meantime, it focuses on effort, strategy strategy resilience and perseverance now from your for your own endeavors rather than labeling a project or a process a failure for example i haven't been able to run five miles i haven't found the right romantic partner i haven't found my dream job tack on the word yet i don't have my dream job yet i don't have my dream girl yet i don't have everything figured out yet. Okay. Life is going on. All right. Life is happening and it's going to keep happening. You're going to get older. You're going to get, you know, more experience. You're going to, life is going to keep happening whether or not you're amazing. Okay. Or not, but it's the mindset in the meantime. That's the, the, the crucial key. This is my, oh man, this is, these are a great list. Add the word yet. I'm not a hundred, I'm, I'm not 150 pounds yet. I eat like crap. I need to start eating. I'm going to start eating, you know, better yet. You got to add the word yet. I'm not where I want to be yet. I'm not thin as I want to be yet. Okay. You can get there. It focuses. It focuses. Believing you can improve instead of assuming that you're stuck makes a huge difference. Huge difference. Come on. Oh man, that really gets me pumped up. I love that. Number three, replace the word, but with the word and. Another powerful word is and, especially when it replaces the word but, one T. It gives us the chance to see a, uh, you know, a fuller, more balanced picture and to acknowledge a more complicated truth than the I'm not enough story. Now, 
when uh, let's look at a couple of thoughts uh, that we may have ourselves. Here's one. I'm eating much more nutritious food now, but I have to start exercising. Now compare that to I'm eating much more nutritious food now and I have to start exercising. Now which one sounds like scolding and which one sounds like motivation? I think you, you, you can clearly see that the word and is better. When you say but, you instantly erase whatever came before it especially if it's a pat on your own back on some progress that you've made so far. When you say and, you acknowledge your wins and use them to fuel your not yet goal. See how they're building up and, not but. Uh, I, I just had an idea and I think it's escaping my mind. You know, I, I have used this before too. Like if somebody says like, I love you, but they don't love you. Come on. I would go out with you, but... You know, that's not collaborative. That's not problem solving. I would love to go out with you and I have to figure out a way to, I don't know, clean the house. I would love to go out with you, but I have to figure out a way. No, 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 no. And is collaborative. It's motivating. It's forward focused, but is an ender. So please consider changing the word but with and in every possible situation. Number four, this is very important. Number four is very important. Broaden your scope. Now, if you were to look at social media, pop culture, whatever, you, it would have us believe that adequacy comes in only a few areas. For example, financial success, fame, career achievement, relationship bliss, or the tricky one, physical appearance. We narrow our own vision accordingly and feel hopelessly inadequate if we're not rich, famous, powerful, in love, or like super hot. We do this all the time. But these mainstays, of pop culture and these internet gurus are narrow and truth be told, very misguided. A good life comes from so much more. Having integrity, being curious, chasing inspiration, appreciating beauty in the world, speaking the truth, and perhaps most of all, creating and maintaining loving relationships with friends and family. Doesn't that sound like a more rich and rewarding life than a six-pack of abs. Don't get me wrong, though. Enjoy pop culture and those internet gurus and those motivational speakers. Enjoy them for what they're worth. But do not rely on them to tell you what makes you worthy. Let me say that again at the end. Don't rely on them to tell you what makes you worthy, okay? I'd really love for you to say that mantra again and again. Number five, beware, beware contingent self-esteem. Let me explain. A term called contingent self-esteem is the tendency to change one's self-evaluation based on feedback. Okay, let me explain. It's the most fragile form of self-esteem. It is controlled by others and requires meeting their standards in order to earn value or worth as a person. Contingent self-esteem, contingent on something else, which means you only have it based on something else, doesn't just create a shaky foundation for self-image. It puts our very health at risk. There were two researchers from Stockholm University in 2017 that examined 122 participants and found 
that those diagnosed with exhaustion, cardiac issues, or immunological disease scored significantly higher on measures of contingent self-esteem over healthy control. So if you're always seeking approval on others, if you're always trying to be the teacher's pet, always trying to be a standout in the meetings, always trying to be a standout on the teams, you are asking for health problems. So beware of contingent self-esteem. You have to find a way to be better about yourself all by yourself. Get, uh, number six, give your best self a rest. Despite what every lifestyle blog would have us believe, it is perfectly okay not to be your best self all the time. Perfection needs a day off. Too often, we want people to like us or we want to come across as having it all together all the time. So we end up trying too hard. But in pushing so hard to be our best, we subtly tell ourselves that being just as we are is insufficient. If you have a house and you have some guests over and you go through, remember this from probably your, your mom or your parents, you know, if you go through and dust the, the baseboards in the house when you have guests over, what's it say about the way you keep your house normally? Oh, I live in a pigsty. I can't let people see this. Really? Just let people come over. If there's a little dust on the counter, who cares? Relax. The solution? It's okay not to push your best self out on stage all the time. You sucking your belly in all the time? Let it out. Unbutton that Tom button, top button. No, of course I'm not advocating for obesity, but don't freak yourself out all the time trying to look amazing. Instead, just be you, man. Gal, girl, whatever, woman. Just, just be yourself, people. That means allowing yourself to have some bad hair days, lazy work days, awkward conversation moments, relationship stumbles, and any of those perfectly normal experiences without judging yourself too harshly. Give your best self a rest. I'm doing it right now. I'm letting my, my tummy hang out. It's all right. I got my hat on a little crooked. You know, I don't have my hair done or anything like that. I'm just relaxing. I'm going to give my best self a break today, all right? Because it's too exhausting to try and keep it up all the time. Listen, number seven, here we go. Remember this, that perfection is boring. It's easy to feel intimidated and inadequate compared to people with seemingly perfect lives. But have you ever walked into a quote-unquote perfectly decorated room? They're boring. They have no soul. And they even smell sterile, almost like a furniture showroom. They're the last place you'd want to kick off your shoes, put your feet up, and have belly laughs with great friends. Like, you could never unwind in a place like that. People who advertise their seemingly perfect lives are similar. A mix of intimidating and oddly boring. When something is perfect, there's nowhere else to go. Tony Robbins has famously said, happiness is progress. When it's perfect, it means it's finished. The story is over. How... You know, how stifling is that? Progress is better. Much better, in fact, to be a work in progress, to let some of the tangled yarn hang out, and best of all, add your yet to your unfinished dreams. My gosh, Dr. Wu, thank you so much. Uh, she hosts the Savvy Psychologist podcast, uh, or or did host it. I think it's, it's off now. I highly encourage it. 
you to check that out. I mean, what what a great article. Let me just let me just recap these real quick. Number one, trust that everyone has their stuff. Number two, add the word yet. I'm not done yet. Replace number three, replace but with and. Number four, broaden your scope. Number five, beware of that contingent self-esteem. Okay. Give that perfect perfect self, give it a rest. And finally, number seven, remember that perfection is boring. Listen, I, I want to say thank you for tuning in while I work through my own self-improvement here, right? It's always better when you can make it personal. So find something in this that applies to you and, and start to fix it. Start to approach it. Start to question it. Start to improve it. I believe that you can. So listen, my name is Gary Roth. This is the Blue Collar Consulting Group Podcast. Thank you for listening. Have an awesome rest of your day, night, week, month, year. It's your time. It is a great time. Uh, Opportunity is everywhere. So let's make it count. Okay? All right. See you later.